Hello, and welcome back to Crossing the Access, the biz side of the video production, biz side of video production, film production, what have you. Uh, today, we have a very special guest that I am just so excited about. Uh, we have Tony Fulgram uh, of uh, so many things uh, from from uh, from world famous to uh, now his his present operation all as well. Uh, he's a writer, he's a director, he's a musician, a commercial director. He's worked with T-Mobile, Washington Lottery, Nordstrom, Nokia, Budweiser, Brooks, Pemco. The list goes on. But in addition to doing all that, he's also written and produced a number of short films. He's gotten acclaim and laurels from everywhere, from SIF to Nashville to Brooklyn. Uh, he's truly the exemplar of someone that is doing it all on the commercial and the uh, I don't know the 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 private the creative the uh, the we just call it original side. content. <laughs> there you go, original content side of things. There's Tony and Tony. Uh, thank you for for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it's always nice to um, get an intro when someone like digs in and does some research and is like, which parts of my life stick out? <laughs> <laughs> whichever ones you put on your website right <laughs> <laughs> that, that's pretty much how it works Which, whichever well, ones your biz dev guy puts on the internet <laughs> uh your linkedin profile i don't know yep. uh yeah well let's just turn it over how did you get into this uh music is how i got into this yeah. um i uh i played in bands in seattle from 1987 through uh I guess uh, in 98, I got into a band and I got turned on to Tom Waits. Like I knew who Tom Waits was, but um, I really got into Tom Waits in my late 20s. And someone said, oh, have you ever seen the movie Down by Law? And uh, so I watched Down by Law the same month that I watched The Ice Storm by Ang Lee. Um, <laughs> and uh, those two movies were basically the reason I went to film school. It's like when I saw Down by Law with uh, Jonathan Lurie and Tom Waits and Roberto yeah. Bentini, I yeah. was like, someone's actually making the kind of movies that I would like to make. Right. Yeah. Not the kind of movies necessarily that I like to watch. Although Jarmusch definitely makes those, um, you know, at that point in my life, I was like, I was the only one of my buddies that liked watching the weird indie shit. And when someone, um, and someone pointed out that movie to me, I, I was right around the time I saw a New York film Academy ad on the back of movie maker magazine. I had been futzing around with super eight and VHS films, making them with, you know just art films with uh the bartenders i worked with and uh but when i saw down by law the timing was right and i went off to new york for a summer and when i came back i fully intended to go back to bartending and maybe you know pick up some uh just just basically do little indie shorts and things like that but i stumbled into the job of head editor and eventually director uh, uh was directing stuff at digital kitchen and oh, from, nice. <laughs> yeah, and from there, um, big, big there, you know, I did Digital Kitchen for two years. Paul Matthias was a, a huge mentor for me and like gave me an opportunity when no one should have because I couldn't even turn on a computer at that point. And uh, <laughs> and, and uh, you know, like uh, within two years, I was I was editing and directing. I moved to L.A. and um, did a two year stint at Imaginary Forces. And then I freelanced around L.A. for a while, you and company and fuel and all the really design heavy um creative shops yeah yeah and uh and then i got offered a job to be one of the editors on uh the matrix two and three <laughs> and um which would have been a path towards you know exactly where i wanted to go but i just had my daughter was just had just been born and 
you know, the guy was really honest with me. He's like six days a week, 18 hours a day. And I was like, can't do it. And I, my wife and I talked about, it. I was like, if I can't do that, then why are we in LA? So we came back to LA and I, uh, within, I don't know, within a year, I started world famous and ran that for 10 years. Well, I'm so glad that you skipped out on matrix two and three. Cause if you'd edited those, I think we could have just quit right now. <laughs> I mean, those, are just, yeah. those are just terrible yeah um, I'm, I'm really excited about the new one though the new one I, I don't know I thought the trailer for it looked really cool so I'm I'm kind of I mean old. I might be I might be an indie I might be an indie uh film lover and love the the high auteur uh <laughs> you know Oscar winning you know actor performances but I love Keanu Reeves yeah oh, God, <laughs> so yeah. like oh, I mean my- that's and What's you that? know what? Me, me and my thirteen-year-old kid. I mean, my my thirteen-year-old kid. He's just like Keanu's. Just he's just different, Dad. He's just cool, and his new look is cool. I'm like, what do you mean his new look? His old look. And I'm like, yeah, he's yeah. got a good old look as well as a good young look. And hey, did you go to? Was it NYU that you did your summer? No, program? I did a I did a, a three month summer program at New York Film Academy, and back then okay. it was. Okay. Um, it was uh, before they were accredited and putting and putting out full right. um, uh, four year programs. But yeah. when I was there, uh, it was basically day two. We had a 16 millimeter camera in our hand. Right. And we were loading right. it, going out and shooting. And it was just all about writing and shooting and actors. It had very little yeah. to do with the movie business. It was just right. all about getting a story from your head to yeah. the paper and yep. then from the paper to the screen. Yeah, I did NYU summer program exactly, exactly the same. We're shooting with uh, old airy like yep. tanks, you know, and uh, and I really I encourage people to do that uh, if if film school is too expensive or anything. These little short programs, um, exactly, they cut right to the chase, and you just start making stuff, and it gives you kind of the the basics to get get just making stuff. So uh, that, I don't know. I kind of think film school is more about networking and learning how to make movies, you know. So if you want to. If you want, you're paying for a Rolodex. Yeah, that's probably that's probably worth it. I probably should have done that. But anyway, I mean, so. yeah, I mean, I couldn't afford it, and I I'm no. doing okay. <laughs> so. yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh, so so now and and so now you've you've uh, you've you've landed on on all as well, and yeah. and all and and so tell us a little bit about and and but before that you had um, before they had world famous. So how is how is all as well different from world famous, or what have you found it all as well on the on the sort of premise of well, world famous was definitely built on the uh the back of where me and my ex-business partner had come from which was very after effects design right RISD, scad uh you know like very much motion graphics very much about pretty pictures and and it, and while it was very successful for me it con- it was very difficult to get things to steer back towards my roots which was my roots are as a writer. I of course don't think I really realized that until I was in the position to start a new company, but you know, before I, you know, before I went to film school, I was writing songs and I always just thought I was a singer and that I was writing lyrics as an excuse to sing. Um, and then I started writing screenplays and I figured I'm just a, I'm a director. I'm writing screenplays so that I can direct. And before I started all as well, I, I just realized that no, actually what I am as a writer and all of the best work that I'm the proudest of and the best work that I see out in the world uh, started with a really good script. There's tons of forgettable, beautiful right. things out there that had crappy scripts. Yeah. And, um, and so when I was, uh, when I was starting all as well, I left, I left, um, I sold out of 
world famous after 10 years spent uh, and then spent another three years kind of trying to decide what was going to happen next. And I had some very um, specific principles for the company. Uh, and one is that everybody needs to consume and generate um, good writing. You know, I mean, beautiful. If yeah. you're a producer and not a writer or, you know, then, then at least be a, a really good critical reader. And yeah. um, so we, you know, and there's a reason for that. I think that if, I think that in writing um, that's where you find uh, that's where you find out things about yourself. That's where you find mm -hmm. out things about other people. It's where you, and, and so at that stage in the game, when you're not worrying about how to accomplish something where you're just getting the story out of you and onto the page um, it takes a lot of practice. It's not, I don't think it's easy, but it is where you find the humanity and anything that you're building. Right. So, um, so if you're going to write a screenplay, even if it's a cheesy action film, if you don't have a connection to the, to the individual human stories in there, it's worthless. I mean, uh, you can take something as stupid as point break or die hard. You know, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to go back into the Keanu Reeves thing. Point break is a dumb movie and it is one of my favorite movies of all time. Right. And it has for some reason, uh, uh, you give a crap about the characters. They're written just well enough that the relationship right. between Johnny and Bodie means something, right? Like, yeah, so it really is like, um, and if you translate that to commercial production, uh, it doesn't matter what stupid widget you're selling. Um, I'm not interested in doing it unless I can find some, some humanity in it. And that starts with the writing. Right, man, that 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 sounds amazing, and you really see it uh, in the work. Uh, that you know, I, I, and I first of all, I know what you mean about uh, motion graphics and visual effects going down that road can just eat you up, right? I mean, it mm -hmm. can just suck you in, and suddenly that's all you're doing. It's what you're known for. I mean, a niche is great, and it can be very financially successful, but be careful <laughs> because yeah. uh, it it does start, you know, directing. And we we for a while at Handcrank had this incredible visual effects guy, and we were getting all this fabulous work. But soon enough, they didn't want the rest of us. They all just wanted yeah. the visual effects work. But so I, I watching, looking at uh, all as well as current, you know, work. It 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 obviously reflects exactly what you're talking about. I'm thinking about the the Budweiser campaign where they're really just these wonderful stories uh, that are really painted very beautifully. And one thing I noticed about your work, it's funny, you know, you talk about being a writer, but it's actually, uh, I see so much of your work that's actually, uh, it's, there's not actually a lot of talking in a lot of it. It's, it's quite uh, visual. There's amazing uh, sound design as well. Um, but uh, but you you definitely do. Uh, and there's that one, the, the one short film, now I'm kind of jumping all over the place, that has very, very little, the one with the, the the guy with the record and the couple breaking up uh, outside yeah. his window. I'm sorry. I don't remember the name of it. Secret. But secret. Yeah. And, and, and you, you really rely heavily on the visuals to tell your story. So it's not necessarily the, the dialogue, is it? No, right. It's a dialogue is maybe the last 3% of writing. That, that's you know? like, yeah. um, you know, if you read a Raymond Carver uh, short story, who's a huge influence in the way I write screenplays. I mean, I would, I would say secret that Raymond Carver would be the biggest influence on secret. Mm -hmm. um, and it, it, he has long, long stretches of very compelling narrative in his stories. No one says a thing. There's one, one of his short stories where a guy is sitting, staring at a payphone because he has to go make a hard phone call and, and nothing's said. 
you know, and, but you can see what's happening. Um, right. Todd Hito is a photographer that I love the, and, and very rarely are they even, there are even people in his photographs and still he manages to uh, put together a narrative in his, in his, in his photographs that don't have human interaction. So you can find your humanity in silence that, um, sometimes even more so than, than in dialogue. I mean, I think generally speaking, we talk to hide something rather than to find something we actually do and act to find something. Whereas we which, I, which I understand in a short film, but that can be awfully hard to translate into an ad. How do you do that? How do you? Uh, how do you... Well, um, it's it, it's easy to translate into an ad if you have time. Mm. You know, if it's if it's branded content, if it's a long form. Right. Piece, right. Uh, what's harder is to convince a client that it's a good idea. Yeah. <laughs> right? Like, you know, um, I think that the thing that's wonderful about design is it's shiny and you can show it to somebody. Um, <clears throat> but you, you know, with writing, it's like you explain to them the thinking process you're going to go through to get to the great, the best part for their, for their brand. And that's a big leap of trust because I can't, I'm not going to give you an example. I'm not going to write your script for you. Uh, just to prove that we can, because that's the thing that we do, right? Like we, we build the creative from a, a, a writer's standpoint, you know, it's not, um, and it takes time and it's hard. Right. Uh, but I think if the proper thinking goes into writing a campaign or a spot for somebody, even if it's a comedy spot, uh, you can get to the point where if somebody's saying something, it's doing double duty or triple duty. Like you're not right. always just, and, and that buys you a lot of time if your sequences are well-written or even in documentary stuff. Like when we're doing our documentary stuff, we write it out as though it were scripted. Like, here's what I think this story is going to look like that we're going to go out and shoot. And then it's just a roadmap. It's not a, it's not a rule book, you know, but it's a roadmap. And we, of course, through documentary, you end up discovering things but, but writing is a huge part of it. Like we write the story before we head out um, yeah. to shoot anything documentary, even uh, I would say that um, I'm trying to think of the most silent ad that we've done. Uh, it would probably, it would probably be so. Uh, yeah. I don't I know. Mean, I even think of the windows phone you, one you did with the couple, you know, the one you said the oh, couple yeah. had just met that morning and like, it's pretty quiet or the dialogue is sort of throw away to a feeling or, but I mean, it, it yeah, the dialogue is mixed out of the, under the music. So you're really pretty not, mixed out. Yeah. 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 And I mean, um, that conveyed that closeness of the two had that seemed to be the idea that the phone was a conduit to their relationship. Yeah. I think that that one was really, um, uh, that one was kind of the birth of how I wanted to work with actors. Um, that was a, that was an amazing, uh, opportunity because basically, um, the client said we need to put an anthem together. So it's just examples of people all over the world using the phone. And I was like, so you great get order. That's a great order from a client. <laughs> yeah. And, and so we did go all over the, the world. That one was actually yeah. shot in London. And wow. I was like, but I don't want to go shoot essentially stock footage to throw into a throw into a montage. So I, I wrote scripts for, Oh God, five or six of them. And we would cast people for those scripts and the, the scripts were very loose, but I would sit down. I wouldn't meet the actors until the day of when they're in the makeup table. And I would just interview them real quick. And it was like, all right, we're going to, we're going to, I'm going to write a short film right now while you guys get in makeup. I'm going to go in and put this thing down and then we're going to work through it. And, uh, 
And so like the, the not safe for primetime version of that spot is something I would love to go back and recut someday. Cause it really is a, an amazing bit of actors using dialogue that I wrote, but also improving about she wants to have a baby. He doesn't. And then she uh, sees her pregnancy test and to her, it's good news, but you don't know if that means it's because it's negative or because, because it's positive. <laughs> that's good. That's good. And, nice. um, and the actors totally dove all the way in, man. I mean, it was, it was, it was good stuff that was way outside the scope of right. a Windows phone spot. Right. Um, but you know, we weren't asked to, to write spots for that. We weren't asked yeah. to direct spots for that. Um, but totally informed the montage and they ended up using them. They're like, Holy yeah. crap. That's what you did to get our montage footage. And it's like, yeah, I'm not going to go sit in a apartment for three hours, just shooting stupid stuff, shooting people playing on phones. Right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we shot that whole thing and I don't know. I think we shot that thing out in three hours. Like we, we lit, lit the bedroom, shot the bedroom, went into the bathroom, shot the bedroom, uh, the bathroom and it was done. And we had a 30 second spot. I think she think that's a 60 second spot and, yeah. and we ran yeah. it, you know? So, yeah. I mean, that's awesome. Uh, so now, you know, for you, you, your company is, they say your company is your game. It's your rules. It's, it's your plan. It's what you want to do. Clearly that's what you've, you've done and are doing with all as well. You know, in this idea that you've got to be creators or ingesters or critics of, of uh, the written word of creativity and so forth. That's great. And that's the easy side of it. How, how do you, how, how do you translate that to the clients? How, how do you get the client? I, I think for people coming up and, and trying to, um, you know, that are in commercial and corporate uh, work as, as, a, uh, as part of the journey, part of the road, perhaps to being feature filmmakers, whatever might be laying out further for them. The part of the grind that I think wears people down is they wind up making stuff that they really don't, they, they really don't want to make, they really don't believe in and so forth. But it, it's so easy to fall into that trap. It, how, how do you protect against that? How do you keep your game and your rules uh, how do you start getting the clients to play by those, those rules and by that game? Um, well, I mean, I think you're talking about, you know, the part that we hate is the hustle and I, and yeah. I, hate. Yeah, um, yeah. and, and, and I think that the, the struggle is getting worse and worse. There used to be a time where, uh, I mean, it's always been a struggle, but I think there was a time where there was, um, uh, companies, they are selling things didn't perceive themselves to be the experts in creativity. And so right. they would hire creatives right. come in to help them sell their, their brand. And more and more these others, internal marketing departments and internal creative departments, and they do actually hire creatives, uh, but there is um, on the one hand that makes it easier to speak creative to uh, the client. Yeah. Yeah. On the other hand, they get very, very locked into the guidelines of their upper management because they're only ever working on one brand and it's the brand that they work at. So there's, so that, that communication level is tough for people coming up. How do you sell um, your, your rule book to the, to the client? Uh, first and foremost, you establish early on, if at all possible, that it's not free. Um, you can't give your creative away. Uh, I love it. Yeah, so critical. You, People can know that. Yeah, because you're just driving everything to the bottom, and then you're yeah. hustling and hustling and hustling 
to do a mediocre version of what you gave away for free because then yeah. it's theirs and they manipulate it and they and I, I don't want it to be I don't want it to sound adversarial. I really enjoy collaborating with clients, um, but with anything, a marriage, a rock band, whatever, good communication is the very first thing. It's like you set the rules of the engagement and you start working in a collaborative form. Like I love having clients in the edit bay. I love doing scripting sessions with the clients in the room. Um, and, and then going and writing on my own or having our writer go off and write on their own. Uh, so keeping them, keeping clients engaged early and all the way through the process. Um, but very quickly setting the tone for whatever it is you're working on in, um, in a realm that you think that you can do your best work. Yeah. And I mean, go ahead. Yeah. And that's, and so, and so in the end, I mean, in the end, you're still, you're still selling shit to people they don't need. Right. So you're not going to, you're not going to write the Godfather for (laughs) Gillette, you know? So, I mean, knowing what it is that you're making is really important. And I think that, um, uh, uh, as far as staying creative, you got to do stuff that's not for sale. You have to stay, you have to stay in the zone where you're not making stuff for sale or you have to create space for that. Right. Yeah. If you're going to, I mean, I love, first of all, I just, I just want to read, I just love that thing about you gotta, you gotta sell you gotta make the, get paid for the creative. It sets the tone for everything. And it's, it's a wonderful feeling too, actually. It's a really, <laughs> really nice feeling when you, because people will pay and they'll pay quite a lot actually uh, yep. was what I learned along the way. And, and, and someone had to teach it to me. I, I, I was definitely guilty of giving it away in the beginning and, 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 and they'll pay well. And, and it sets the tone from the very beginning about why you're there. Um, you're not just a guy with a camera. Um, but I, I also think, don't you think that, uh, you know, certainly on the all's well site, you've obviously made some very <clears throat> specific decisions about the type of work that you show. So when you come to the table, obviously they've all looked very closely at your work and so forth, because they're about to spend a fair amount of money on working with you. They, they kind of know already, I mean, you've already, by, by what you put out there and, and part of that is your short films and so forth, you, you kind of are establishing the game to, 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 to an, a bit, wouldn't you say? Yeah. And I think the biggest, the biggest challenge w- with new clients Hmm. is um getting them comfortable and that and they think that what they need to be comfortable is to know where you're going and actually what they need to be comfortable is to know how you're getting there and to and they need to know how we're getting there and that their voice is going to be an important voice throughout the process because to tell them to to show them what they're getting in order to buy to, to hire us they're getting a cheap, small version of it because yeah. you, you haven't taken the time to collaborate with them. You haven't taken the time to get to know them and you haven't taken the time to build what is going to be good creative, which takes time, more time than you have in a, than in a pitch. And when you're, and when you're just like writing this pitch, you know, this fake creative for them, uh, you don't actually know all the problems that you're solving for them. Whereas if you yeah, spend yeah. two weeks working with them after they've hired you, when you finally have the, the the script or the work or the plan, they're going to be like, holy crap, not only is that really awesome, my voice is all over it, you know, and, the, and, the, and that way the client has been heard and their needs have been translated into art and they can see that. And I don't care how much credit they take for that. Like, it doesn't matter. Like, all I know is that I took their, their needs, put it through the ideal filter. And then as a writer was able to write it out. And then of course, 
as a production company and with talented directors, we go out and, and execute on it as well. Yeah. I mean, so one of the, the things, go ahead. Well, but, but we're a fear-based society. And so, you know, that's, that's the, that's the, I just described the utopian ideal and, <laughs> and the, uh, and the reality is like with new clients, there's often, you can see a long-term opportunity there. Um, we are, and so you give away creative, right? And I yeah. hate it. I hate yeah. it when we do that because it's never as good as it should be. We're trying to move away from that as much as we possibly can, but yeah. you need, you need success stories. Yeah. to um, convince new clients. And I think we're at a point now with all as well that um, the success stories are solid. I mean, and, I don't know if you watched that, the, the short film, The Claw, that's on the website. Just did, that yeah. Was actually, that was actually commissioned by the uh, by Visit Seattle. That was a commercial commission. Oh, wow. That's right? incredible. Yeah. To get yeah. to get paid commercially to do that, that's the dream. Yeah. I mean, that, yeah. that that's and that's marrying so many of you. I mean, you basically get to make a story about a small band. So that's it's your heart right there, right? I mean, that's... Yeah, that's a, a, a really big part I mean, of that. that. Go ahead. That was Leo. That was uh, that was Leo Rogers who wrote, uh, co-wrote, and directed that. Yeah. I was oh, I was just yeah. the, I was just the guy that made it possible. EP. Yeah, <laughs> not not to say that's not that's not worth quite a bit. Now you do these things called experiments within, yeah. uh, and and this gets to like okay, so that's the, you establish the rules. You say we're going to be this kind of company. How do you uh, make the rubber hit the road within the company? And and the experiments are something. I, I believe you also did something like it at World Famous as well. But uh, but but tell me about the experiments and how how you use them. Well, the experiments are definitely an evolution of the assignments that I did, that uh, uh, the the executive producer and I launched at World Famous. Um, and the assignments were. Uh, all process oriented. It's like, you have to do something. It doesn't have to be finished. It doesn't have to be good. Even it just has to be the process of having an idea and executing on it and sharing it with your peers and taking critique. That was the whole idea around the assignments. So when you looked at the assignments, um, it was a, it was a, a full body of work, nothing individual in there should have been awesome. It, we didn't have the, we didn't develop, we didn't uh, dedicate the resources to it. So it was its own sort of um, very successful uh, program at that company to keep people creative. But when I started all as well, I was like, uh, I wanted to focus it and get it more into exactly what we were talking about doing it all as well. And so the experiments, the way that works, and we've, we've had them on ice just because through the pandemic and stuff, because, you know, everybody's, got stuff they got to focus on. To yeah, stay right. But we're bringing them back. And what it is, is it's just a weekly writing assignment. So we would come together every Thursday with a new one page script. They had to be 60 seconds or less. The only criteria for them is that they are well-written and, uh, and they ladder up to the, to the final thing that you see, which is an animated logo that says all is well. So it doesn't, you know, so like that can be sarcastic. It can be a non sequitur. It can be completely abstract or whatever, but all of those experiments are essentially commercials for a company that thinks that writing a good script is the key to what we do. So how do you so show connect, connect the dots with like, okay, let's take one. Uh, you got a kid running through the uh, sort of snowy woods. I'm not sure where you shot it, maybe around here. Uh, and he's kind of just in wonder, right? He's like, he's like in huh. wonder of like the beauty of nature. And then he's just like staring at a tree and then it's like all is well. Yeah. So there's two <laughs> ways to look at that. There's that one, which was the most that the, your interpretation of that was probably um, 
where it ended up. The intention of that was shit's scary. And you, oh, and, but still, when you turn around and look at it, it's beautiful. Right. So yeah. it's, it's a lot about contradictions. Um, and, uh, but you know, there's no dialogue. It's a, it's a sequence and yeah. music. Um, and you know, the thing, like I wrote, wrote the music on that and uh and recorded it and it was very minor at first and then it went very major and then i tried to find someplace in between because i didn't want to hit the scary aspect too hard i really wanted the hopeful aspect to be more i spent more time butting around with the music than i did shooting and editing the thing right right so but yeah i think that that's that's exactly a, that's a perfect example i think the other one that's um that i that i'm really there's, there's two more that i'm that are good examples the one where the two explorers are trying are trying to find something yep, and they're yep. having this big argument on the way yep. the dialogue yep. is really well written it's very funny it's well the, acted the young the, the the lower guy reminded me of uh, that guy on billions uh what <laughs> i don't know why but uh, yeah he, he, uh both of them were named ian they're both fantastic actors yeah, uh good actor. the tall one was the bass player in the claw right you know like okay, they're, they're, yep. mm-hmm. um so that one is just a a a really good example of love and hate in 60 seconds like these two men clearly love each other because they've just traveled up a mountain and they hate each other because one's of one's hubris and one's willingness to give up and a big aha i told you so at moment at the end and we don't know what any of it is right all we know that all is well so it is just this writing exercise this snippet of of humanity um well, I took away from it that I thought that other guy that wouldn't go up to the top of the mountain probably went and killed himself or something like that, you know, just at the very last minute. And it, he he could he almost was there. But you're more optimistic, fella. He he made it over the top of the mountain and and found the promised land. So I mean, they just are wonderful bits that open. I love their openness to interpretation. I can't help but think that potential clients and forgive me for going to the mercenary side of this, but I just see it as a great vehicle for potential clients to say, you know, we got this new truck and we got to get some kind of different in here. We don't have the same old shit. And so, you know, we need it. We need to be like, uh, if you can see it, you can believe it. You can do it. This is what the truck's all about. Probably not the truck ad, but, uh, and, and some guy sees this and all of a sudden you're, you're working on that as your next piece. And you're already at the helm creatively from the very beginning. It's a very cool way to go. I, I mean, really kudos to that idea and that thinking and the discipline, because I think that's what people don't realize the, the discipline it takes to actually get down and make the fuckers right like yeah. i mean that's that's hard to, yeah, to that, do. Uh, that that explorers one was um i mean i think i ran boom up on that one right right like <laughs> you know You've made and, it. We, and, and 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 you know and we drove to the top of quartz mountain which is no easy mountain to get to but i knew right. that what lael was looking for was at the top of quartz mountain because i spent yeah. a lot of time in the mountains and uh and so, you know, we used everything we had to go up and shoot it. Sure. Yeah. Didn't cost much in anything other than a lot of sweat equity. And yeah, right. it's, you know, you got to really you pay for want it. Um, right. Yeah. You'd be surprised yet, how many new clients mention the experiments first. I, I'm sure they do because yeah. it's something that really separates you and makes it clear what your priorities are. Folks, if you haven't seen, you got to go to allswellstudios.com and you have to take a look at these as a way you know, so many times people gripe to me about the business. Oh man, it's just a grind. It's just grinding me. It's just working me down. And I so often think it's, 
it's because you're letting it grind you a little bit, you mm -hmm. know, and, and, and you got it, you got to just like, you got to take helm creatively. You got to take helm, uh, in, in, in how you're moving forward in your, in your commercial and paid life, you know, and, and this is a beautiful <clears throat> way to do it. And I, I'm sure it really brings your people together tremendously. Am I right? Like, yeah, it does. I think that, um, so there's, yes. So retention of really strong creatives means that you value and support and create opportunities and space for right. them to be creative right. as yeah. often as possible. Yeah. Um, it's more important for me to create space for our creative directors to go do their experiments than it is for me to go do them. Right. I, yeah. As much as I love going out and shooting them. Yeah. Uh, it's as a, as a business owner, it's my job to foster and create space for tr true creativity to grow unfettered by client restrictions, you know, and it's, you know, it is a commitment and it's, and it's one that I look forward to getting back to. And we actually have some, um, we're actually expanding them outside of our network. We're going to start doing experiments with people who don't even work for all as well. Oh, nice. Yeah. It's going to, it's going to be fun. Um, yeah. And I think that, uh, I mean, it's, Building a creative company, staying creative, making money at it uh, is, you know, so many of the angles of all of those things that you need to accomplish are in, yeah. are in conflict with each other all the time. <laughs> and, um, and it's very easy to just stop taking care of the things that don't <clears throat> have a direct line between making it, you and know, yet are the creating heart, it and, and revenue. Yet and yet they're the heart. They're the thing right. that's the whole engine, the reason for being why you're doing it, et cetera. Yeah. So, yeah, so man. I mean, like, honestly, I'm, you know, I'm a socialist who works in advertising, right? <laughs> yeah. So the, the, the contradiction there, if it's not obvious to anybody that's listening, it should be like, well, I mean, it's all, yeah. I mean, I can't advertising making... is the advertising is the propaganda machine for capitalism, right? Like, right, yeah. so, you know, we know what we're making. We're not, we're not fooling ourselves into knowing what we're making. And I think our job, you know, we live in a, in a capitalist society in a capitalist world, a global economy that is based in capitalism. And all of us, no matter what we're doing for a living are involved in that situation. And I think that the way we move it, at least in a positive direction, if yeah. not toward you know, socialism, the way we move it in a positive direction is to make sure that any of the things that are being generated under the umbrella of that economic system have humanity in them and remind Absolutely. us about of our humanity. And so that's kind of our goal. And to do that, we have to keep working on purely creative stuff. So we have to remember that the stuff that doesn't directly generate revenue is as important as the thing, as the ad we're writing for you know, Gillette or right, Philip right, or right. Absolutely. So, okay. So we got to wrap up. What are you excited about right now? What's going on right now? What are you looking for visually story-wise? What's turning you on that you're seeing out there? What new projects? I know you've got a couple of things in the hopper, some, some uh, series or even a feature film. Uh, can you just tell us a little bit about that? Um, yeah, we're in development on three different feature scripts and then um, Lael, uh, the, our creative director who uh, started the company with me, she's got a really ridiculously uh, dark short film that we're in, in pre-production on. 
and uh, it really takes a stab at influencer culture. And we're really excited about that. Um, you know, it, you know, it's a bit of biting the hand that feeds us, but you know, <laughs> I think people like that too. We That's were able to work on it ourselves. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah so sure. um, original content, like really getting uh, uh, some stuff made. I think we're uh, optimistic that a feature film will be in production by um fall of how do you feel about the how do you feel about the market for that stuff right now is it, is it i don't care <laughs> like honestly <laughs> i mean the mar you know making movies is no different than making commercials when it comes to someone right. has someone has a bucket of money and they want to get something out of it and i have an idea that i want to see on the screen the market has always sucked for it like commerce around that is just vicious and cutthroat and not um and not pleasant, but if you want to make stuff, you got to go through it. So I think that, uh, listen, I played in a rock and roll. I still play in rock and roll bands. The last one that the most successful one I was at in, we, we could sell out our local clubs. We got to open up for sun Volt and, you know, do all the, the fun stuff, play on the radio and things, but never were we going to be rock stars. And the mantra was we want to be successful enough at it to keep doing it. And when it comes to original content, sure. I'd love to win an Oscar and make billions of dollars, but the bare minimum is I want to be successful enough at it to keep doing it because doing it is the reason to do it, you know? And absolutely. You know, I mean, it just seems like there's a lot of, I mean, it just seems like today there's just a lot of avenues that just need a lot of content. Like there's just so many channel stations, yeah, uh, all kinds of stuff. So I just meant like, is there maybe a little more opportunity in some ways, you know, you, you market yourself as a pragmatic optimist, which I think you, kind of have to and this and I'm, I'm kind of can you define that real quick just what what does that mean you're a pragmatic uh, i actually believe i believe in the best of humanity but i'm also not a, a pollyanna or full of toxic positivity i mean some you know uh sometimes shit just sucks and um <laughs> i'm optimistic that we will be able to get around it and i'm also optimistic that i'm gonna you know if i'm <laughs> gonna I'm going to celebrate the end of the world as optimistically as I can, but I'm not a fool to think that it's not going to happen. Right. You know, like, yeah. Um, uh, yeah. Pragmatic optimism is just like, see things as they are and approach them with wonder and hope. I mean, that's I love it. Yeah. You know, Chris Donaldson, we mentioned him, one of my best friends, uh, past partner at Handcrank. He, he started a group called Radical Optimists. And I, I want to get you both on the show and sort of debate radical versus pragmatic <laughs> optimism. I think that would be a fabulous show. There would be more overlap. I think there would probably be more overlap, but the place where we would diverge would be very interesting to have a conversation. And that's what I'm talking about. I think it'd be really cool because I'm so into optimism myself. I think it's like, yeah, yeah if, you're, if you're not an optimism, just go jump off a building right now because that's... Um, but yeah, this has just been uh, fantastic, Tony. I just think you're such an example to folks that you can um, you can bridge it, man. You can do it. Uh, you know, and I know it. It probably doesn't feel that way every single day, but honestly, looking at it from the outside, it's it's it gives 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 me a lot of hope that that you can both be um, uh, original content, as you say, and, and also be able to, to make a living, do commercial stuff. That's actually, uh, quite humane and quite, uh, quite, quite beautiful, uh, as well. And I think that for a lot of folks starting out, it's just, it's easy to get trapped, uh, in feeling that, uh, you've got to just produce one more talking head and be roll piece, um, for no really good reason. And that there are other ways. And sometimes it just takes folks that are out there like yourself, that have shown, Hey man, this, this works, you, you, you can make it this way. So I, I really appreciate you for, for, for being that. Thank you very much. And, and again, well, thank, thank you. you. I appreciate that. That's, that's nice to hear. <laughs> yeah. 
And, and thank you. So uh, folks, allswellstudios.com, you can see the experiments, you can see all kinds of stuff there. And uh, you can also look at Tony Fulgram. Uh, what, what's your personal site again? It's like, Oh, uh, unmaintained is what it unmaintained. is. Unmaintained. There you go. Well, that's pretty cool. <laughs> it's Tony, it's Tony but I think that you'll, you'll probably learn more about me uh, and, well. and, yeah. and all as well. All as well yeah. is, is the place. That's what's look. going on. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Well, we'll be looking for that stuff from you coming up. And again, thank you so much um, for, for joining us uh, from my pleasure. Uh, yeah. Appreciate it. All right. We, we will, uh, we'll talk soon and see you around. So thanks right. very much. Bye-bye. Thanks a lot, man. Let's talk soon. Bye.